Welcome back to a very special, limited, super announcement, awesome interview, two great guests today. And why is this limited, super cool announcement? Because I want people to read this book and I want them to read it now. The book comes out um, today. It absolutely comes, actually comes out today. So Boone and Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, 30,000 over, uh, foot overview of how you two met. That's what I want to know. So we... We actually met at work operationally um, in a uh, a country, you know, in, um, in in the Asia area to where she was just part of the team. Yeah, but the really funny thing is, is we didn't really interact much. And then one night there's a knock on my door and I look out like the little peephole. Like people don't visit you when you live in war zones, right? And it was like the two short like security officers, you know, at the agency. And I'm like, what am I doing here? There must be something major going on. And I opened the door and they're like, you want to come watch a movie? <laughs> and that was kind of... That's we became friends after that. <laughs> so now you guys had a pretty decent time. I mean, as far as length and you know, into the agency, into that whole covert world, into that secret world, the spooky world, people like to say. And as I put in my LinkedIn, not IC, I don't work for the intelligence community because I'm always like, people are always like, have these weird perceptions of it. But there's a lot going on over there, and you learn a lot and you do a lot, and it's not like the movies. And it's not like these weird, you know, Jason Bourne type things. So let's talk about that. I mean, what you can disclose about what you did and how long you did it for and, and stuff like that. Well, um, I was with GRS um, probably for about 12 years from around 05 till 2016. And unfortunately, we really don't talk about GRS. There's not a lot out there on it. And hopefully it'll stay that way. Yes. But basically in a nutshell, um, GRS is a full spectrum tactical support um, option for case officers in high threat environments. Oh. And then me, I spent almost a decade in the agency. Um, for most of it, I was a targeter. Basically, you find, fix, finish, um, look for persons to recruit. Your main job is to advance CIA operations forward. So you're a support element to human operations, um, capture operations, those type of things. Now, you both have a, a great background, and you've both gone on to do incredible things in pre and post. But this book what really intrigued me about it, and what I want people to read about it is it's it's different. It's not a political thriller. It's not a, a, a nonfiction made into almost a quasi-fiction type books. It's like you said uh, when we talked about the pre-interview. It was like, it's like a dossier. It's like a report of investigation, but you're getting the facts. They're almost like targeting files. And the book is Benghazi, Know Thy Enemy. And there's so much about that whole, about everything that happened over there that people have no idea. They just know about the 13 hours. They know about the political spectrum of it. But I want to know where did this concept of the opera, I mean, the concept for this book come up? Sure, yeah. The book um, first came up. We actually started early on an investigation of our own. And um, we were going to do kind of an A to Z of Benghazi. Um, then I got asked by Trey Gowdy to join his Benghazi committee as an advisor. We kind of set our project aside. And when I was on the committee is when I really learned that nobody was going after the attackers. It was something I was always passionate about. I just assumed behind closed doors, 
it was all classified and people were hunting them down and putting them on the ad. That was the positive view. I thought, hey, they're going after him. Why would they not go after terrorists? Um, it was at that point I realized, OK, our government is not going after them. Basically, they're at the case close element and now it's a cold case. Um, you know, I let Boo know, hey, here's uh, what I believe. Here's my assessment. At that point, we decided to go all in. That was 2015. We decided to go all in and start our own investigation into the attackers. So we put so we're doing the investigation now. Um, it's still an active investigation. So what we did is we dropped our current open source investigation essentially into the middle of this book. So you're going to get um, just as of two weeks ago, like our most active um, and get pieces of our investigation. That is an excellent concept. It's almost like, cause me, I have the law enforcement and a military background and some stuff here in areas, but having that thinking of it almost as like a true crime, mm-hmm, like these is. are, these are like, it's almost like a true crime where you're looking at like, so, okay, people were killed and the offenders are out there. The, the suspects are out there and how are you going to track them down? And then how are you going to bring them to justice? And what was the most amazing thing that you've seen doing like OSINT open source type stuff and doing your own investigation? I I think the big thing was, you know, if the two of us can come up with this information, um, despite our backgrounds, I mean, we we do have a leg up because of our backgrounds, but this was all open source. Um, If we can collect this information, why can't one of the greatest intelligence agencies in the world collect that information? Why can't one of the greatest federal law enforcement agencies in the world collect the same information? Yeah. And another thing we learned from that is when we were working to collect the information, we'd reach out to people that we thought would have pieces of information. We actually had to get over a hurdle with them. A lot of them really believe because the U.S. backs the Libyan government that we support the terrorists. So they're like, no, your government's supporting these terrorists. And we're like, no, it's more nuanced. They, they think they're on the right side. They're not because they don't actually know, understand this. Like we need you to help us explain this to them of where the terrorists fall in um, alliances in the country. So we had to spend a lot of time. Um, we also had a few that would say your FBI doesn't care. They would make jokes because, you know, um, Ahmed Abu Katala was labeled in the U.S. as a mastermind. Of course, he wasn't the mastermind. Everybody in Libya knows he's a mastermind. He was used as a scapegoat. So they said, no, your government's not going to go after these guys. Like they, they picked up Katala. So it was it was difficult to kind of get over those hurdles. The good part is we had the personal connection. We said we, we were there. We lost friends and we were able to establish some really great relationships that got this book to to the point it's at where we have over a hundred terrorists identified in the book. Now, how do you keep it from going down a political spectrum? Like, how do you keep it from being like, you can get a ton of book sales by saying, blaming it on left, right, or whatever. How, how do you keep it focused? Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, you know, our backgrounds, right? I mean, I was a targeter. I went to find the terrorists. That's all I care about. I don't really give a damn about these politicians. I mean, not to be rude. I mean, they they say what they want to say. They do politicking on both sides. You know, they'll say every five years, Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11, right? Just to spike their base, even though they know it's not true. They play these games. And if you go along with those games, you're never going to make progress. If you go back and forth, fighting with the different politicians, nobody's going to actually go get the terrorists and they're going to kill more people. And in our book, you know, of these hundred plus terrorists, they have killed thousands and thousands of civilians since our attack, right? Because nobody went after them. That's like a 
horrible thing to think of. Like you lost your friends and then these guys are going and killing more people. So it's just the right thing to do. I mean, we're over the politics of it. We just want someone to like do the job right. Yeah. And talk about it's, it's been what a decade, a, a little about a decade. Right. Exactly. And you got to imagine like back then, even if you were like a freshman level terrorist, now you've had a decade Mm -hmm. You've got that master's, you've got that PhD and how to be a bad guy and how to be a bad girl, how to be just evil, you know it and how you can make money being a terrorist. Cause we know it's not always about political ideology. It's about money and power and everything else that goes wrong with being a terrorist. So now they're still out there. Yep. It's interesting. You bring up the fact that they had time to develop and tactically mature. Um, When you read the book, you'll see a lot of these guys were already hardened. Um, these are some usual suspects from um, incidents before our 9-11, before um, the New York City 9-11, and then also very popular incidents after that, um, like the um, the uh, bombing in um, London, um, the Charlie Hebdo attacks, um, the uh, theater massacre in France, um, the Inaminis attack. These are the same guys that were able to do this because they were never brought to justice. You brought up an incredible point, one that I, I don't think a lot of people understand about the criminal world, because these are cr- they're criminals. Mm-hmm. Terrorists are criminals. They may have different motives and everything. But when you start looking at these big organizations, like for me, I work drugs. And when you start looking at them, how, how they all connect, even through open source information, you could find how all these people connect. And I used to say it, it equated to back then it would be like phone numbers. Phone numbers always connect people together. Now it's IP addresses. Now it's emails. Now it's different traffic. And you're like, it's all, it all connects. Mm -hmm. The criminal world is huge. It's huge. But there's so much spider web type factoring in there. Like it's almost like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's the same exact thing when it comes to the criminals. And that's one of the questions I had for you both was after you start building this, you start seeing these connections. You're like, wow. What was the most surprising thing that just popped right at you? Uh, I think one of the most surprising. So we started the investigation with the hope, uh, the focus of let's find the Al Qaeda attackers. We thought, honestly, we'd find five to 10 Al Qaeda attackers, which is a lot in an attack. You know, some attacks only have just a few attackers to begin with. Um, We ended up with probably in the 40 range, just of Al Qaeda members. We also ended up knowing and finding out that there was over 150 attackers involved. So we actually found out, right, that it was the largest attack on an American facility by like the number of bodies. Um, So that's just mind blowing when you know that they told everyone, right, it was 20 protesters and hey, we can put 40 Al Qaeda guys on the list for you. That's a pretty big Al Qaeda effort. I like to ask your guys because my my opinion on like terrorism and stuff like that might be different than the most civilian populace, but it's not always ideology. Now, what are you seeing a lot of these factors of why, you know, these people belong to these organizations and why they are doing the attacks? Um, There's many different reasons. Um, A lot of them are um, ideological. Some of them are um, motivated by by money. Um, what you'll see in the book that was very interesting that uh, because a lot of them have been involved in this jihad on many different f- fronts in many different countries, a lot of them were trying to get a loved one back from uh, detention. 
So a lot of them wanted to do a prisoner exchange to get back a brother um, or another colleague who was, you know, in the good fight. That is a surprising factor. I never think about that. And one thing about the ideology too, is like, if they are ideological driven, they don't have to, they could, do they swap between organizations? In this case, we did have it. It doesn't exactly always happen. But in Libya, first off, during the revolution, militias were created. And so it didn't matter what group you're involved in, you would go join a militia. So your militia could have guys from five different international terrorist groups. It didn't matter. When the revolution ended, people went back to their groups. So if you were Al-Qaeda, you went back to Al-Qaeda. The interesting part is ISIS then came into Libya and they actually aligned at first. So if you were um, Al-Qaeda, you fought with ISIS, vice versa. And then, of course, they ended up having a power struggle. And then they went back to their original organizations or some just stayed with ISIS. And then they fought and killed each other. Um, so you really don't see in a lot of places Al-Qaeda and ISIS switch back and forth. But Libya was one of those really unique places where you saw it. You're pulling this thread. And as you're getting there, you're you're probably going to hit a wall. I mean, what kind of walls are put up, let's say by the government or by agencies or anything else like that, one that you couldn't get over? Um, so what we decided to do so we didn't hit those walls is we did all this in secret. So until probably a year ago when we sent it to the CIA, and um, you know, I don't even know if, if they knew the depth of the type of investigation we did, we really didn't tell people. There was a few times we did send leads to um, FBI, like last October, one of the terrorists was talking on the Clubhouse app. We did share that with them thinking, hey, if the government records his voice, right, it could be used for targeting efforts, among other things, as you know, um, voices could be used for. Um, so when we found something like that, we, we did do the right thing and shared. But really, um, we just did it all in private and secret and just did our own investigation. So I wouldn't say we had a hurdle. It's the costs, right? When you work in the government, you have all the money in the world to run down. We had to shoestring this. So there's stuff we don't have that, oh, we'd love to have. We basically could, we didn't have the funds or the resources to, to get that piece, if that makes sense. I'm really excited to see how this, because me, I'm, I love investigations. I love the puzzle. I love all of that stuff. And I'm excited to read it because I want to see how you piece it together. I want to see how you do things because I want to learn. I love learning from different people with different perspectives and different, you know, training tactics, procedures and stuff like that. But I'm really interested in this. Now, when the book is out now and where else can we find it? We can find it on Amazon. I know that. Is it going to be on like Barnes and Noble or awesome? Yeah, it's on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and then you can also then, of course, get it in Nook and Kindle. And if you if you actually really don't like to buy stuff online, you can go to your local bookstores and just ask them to request it, and they'll have it shipped to the store. Oh, very cool. I like that idea, too. The other thing, too, is any book signings coming up? Yeah, we're yes. going to plan some. I mean, obviously, we're going to start local, so they'll be the, we'll kick off in the Tampa and Orlando areas in Florida and then then go from there. You got to come out to the D.C. area. Yes, Northern yeah. Virginia. We, we try to stay away from D.C. But we <laughs> so do I, but I'm stuck yeah. here. <laughs> Boone, Sarah, I really appreciate you both coming on and really talking about this. Everybody, pick up Benghazi, Know Thy Enemy. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to read it. And what else I'm going to do? I'm going to review it. That's review. So if you do pick up the book, drop a review. Follow these both on social media, wherever you can find them. And share the message. It's really cool. I like that you guys are getting out there and doing it. I like seeing people doing it. People yeah. talk a big game, but nobody really, they're like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm elected now. I don't really have to do anything else. So, 
Exactly. And, um, you know, the book's called Benghazi, Know Thy Enemy. There's so many books on Benghazi. It's easiest if you just type out the whole title. Um, if not, you know, you can circle back with us and we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. And we'll definitely put a picture up the book on there because I did when I looked it up. I'm like, man, there's a lot of books on Benghazi. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but if you look for release October 18th, that'll that helps a little bit. too. Exactly. 